What is going on? Welcome to our Friday morning show or afternoon. Hope you guys had an incredible Thursday night. I'm pretty sure Brian did not and Austin, who owns Patrick Mahomes. I still never understand that comment, Austin. You can change your team name no matter what <laughs> happens to Patrick Mahomes. Just look at Jacob's team if you want to see anyone who changes their team name frequently. But that's terrifying. The last thing you want to think of is one of the top players, especially quarterback in fantasy football, in the NFL, going down with an injury That'll take some significant time. But let's cover right now, start with the Thursday night game. Chiefs kill the Denver Broncos. I didn't see that coming. You know, I I expected the Chiefs. I originally thought the game was in Kansas City up until yesterday. So I thought, you know, the Chiefs are probably going to win double digits. Maybe, Maybe that would have been something like 27 to 10 in Arrowhead. But when I realized it was in mile high, I thought, okay, Denver just came off a crushing victory over the Titans, who are not that great. But we saw they could still put up points the game against the Broncos. So, or I'm sorry, the Broncos, the Browns, week one. We knew the Titans could do some damage. They didn't look good at all. Denver just played really good. And then in L.A. against the Chargers, they annihilated them. So they came off two wins. And they went from 0-4 looking bad. You know, I had said Mile High is good for at least four wins a year. One, they already won one on the road. Then they got the win at home against the Titans. I thought for sure. I thought, you know, I you saw the score I predicted maybe 20 to 17. I thought it'd be lower scoring game. Uh, Den- I didn't realize Denver and Flacco would just turn the ball over and play so bad. And really, Denver, the, the defense never really got in a groove, but the Chiefs offense never looked great. You know, they had the good putt return, which set up after their first touchdown. But even in that opening drive, they, they moved the ball, they did what they had to do, but they never looked like the dynamic offense that everyone was expecting Kansas City to be. But yeah, and when Mahomes went down, I honestly thought they should have took the field goal then. I thought, you know, the way their offense was doing, they looked like they could move the ball at will, even if it did come down to that. No one thought an injury. But I, I just figured with the ankle injury he already had, do you really want him scrambling in, in piles? And it ended up, he didn't even end up hurting the ankle. It turned out, unless they're lying, they turned out saying it was a knee injury. So to me, it was just, I thought it was too risky to, to have him diving for that, that first down on a play where you, like like you said, Steve, they end up going getting the field goal anyways. At that point, you might as well figure, I mean, they did lose Mahomes, so they're thinking, let's just take the points. But at that point, you're just like, well, you only gained a few extra yards. You might as well just take in the field goal and not have Mahomes get hurt or risk it to me. You don't, like I said, we don't know when an injury is going to happen, but that was a huge risk to have him with a bad ankle diving in a pile where everyone's going to be on top of him. You know, Vontez Perfect is in there. He's going to be twisting that ankle like Three Stooges style. So I didn't like the call. I know Perfect's not there, but still, NFL players, we know a lot of them are going to be down there doing what they can, not trying to end a guy's career, but who knows, falling on an ankle that they know might be hurt. But, yeah, the Chiefs, their defense, Dino Dan posted in our group text, over 40 points. They finished tonight with 46. That's as much as nearly, I think they scored 48 the last four games, but they scored tonight on a short week on the road. They're on the waiver wire for a reason. They've only had one 20-point game all season. Who on earth would think? Now, like I said, originally I thought, hey, they're in Kansas City. That would be a good defense to maybe stream because Denver has not played great on the road other than the Charger game, but that was more an impressive defense performance by the Broncos. They did run the ball as well. San Diego's not or L.A. See, I still call them San Diego, but the Chargers are not great at stopping the run, so they did run all over them, but you, th- you thought on the road the Broncos' offense is not going to do as much. 
They were in Denver, short week, the home team. This is the second time we've had a home team just get annihilated on a Thursday night game or not play well on a short week in the, the road team. Remember Carolina Panthers and Tampa Bay Bucks, week two? It seemed everybody had the Panthers over the Bucks, other than Steve Stillwell in our league, but most of America as well had the Panthers, and they looked awful, and the Bucks really took it to them. They did make it a game late, unlike Denver tonight, which I thought with Mahomes down, I thought for sure they're not going to move the ball well, and the Broncos will maybe – it's a tale of two halves, and you, there was there was none of that today. You know, sometimes we've seen just like the, the Raider-Bears game. Uh, that's the soonest example I can think of where they went into halftime 17 nothing. Raiders and then the Bears came all the way back the second half and the Raiders looked terrible they couldn't move the ball they ended up still winning but for a while they couldn't move the ball and I thought maybe that would happen to the Chiefs and the Broncos might get on a run so Mahomes is hurt which is very disappointing they are saying right now uh, three weeks at best I, I mean it could happen they won't know until they see the MRI I just hope it's nothing serious I hope it's nothing uh, season ending you know, you'd like to see him in there because honestly, the Chiefs, even though they're not playing incredibly great, they're one of the few teams I have hope in in the AFC. Excuse me for that pause. I had a yawn. Uh, they were one of the few teams that I had hoped that could possibly beat the New England Patriots, what they should have last year. They blew that. We're not going to rehash that. But yeah, he's hurt. We'll see what happens. Three weeks would not be too bad. Austin, smartly, if anyone pays attention to the waiver wire or looks at rosters and finds out, we knew Austin already had Kirk Cousins, but Cousins has been mega hit miss, and for the majority of them, a miss. He did pick up Sam Darnold, so he does have a backup plan. Pretty smart. Darnold is someone I was I was a little shocked he wasn't drafted when we started the season with Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson. They have some weapons there. Chris Herndon's supposed to be coming back. So you expected him. He could be... He even last year had some games where he had really solid games and he disappeared. He's a rookie, so of course he's not going to be 100% consistent. Even some of the pro, even some of the veterans aren't. But good move for Austin. Grab a quarterback, grab someone because you know now for the next few weeks you might not want to rely on Kirk Cousins. So I did like that move by Austin. Smart move, but we'll see what happens with Mahomes. Hopefully he'll be back in three weeks or less. Remember what they said about Saquon Barkley? You know, four to six, four to eight weeks. Then it was, you know, I was hoping for six. He's going to miss a total of four. So he'll be back this week against Arizona. Hopefully he's not rushing. Everything sounds good with him in practice. But you don't want Mahomes to do the same thing. Don't come back unless you feel you're ready because you don't want to be injured and miss more time. Let's hope Holmes comes back in three weeks. Let's talk about the impact it can have. Only a few teams, a few guys. You got the fantasy impact, Tyreek Hill. We just got Tyreek Hill back. Christian did. And that is one of his favorite weapons. Now, he did put up a touchdown today. Did get 16 points. Pretty good with a backup quarterback because he didn't do much when Mahomes was in. I don't even think he'll have a catch yet. But that will be huge. You know, Mahomes' favorite target is Hill. He loves to go to Travis Kelsey, and he loves to check it deep. We'll see. Will uh, Kelsey be affected with more, Matt Moore in there? Or will, like a lot of veterans who, when the time comes, get a little nervous, get happy feet if the line's not protecting, or they just feel like, hey, you know what? My first read option's covered. I'm not going to go through the progressions. I'm going to oh, I see Kelsey. He's one-on-one coverage. I can maybe get an angle and get six yards out of it. Will Kelsey's numbers increase because he hasn't had a great season, or will he re regress and, and not do as well? The running game, 
all the running backs. They didn't look great tonight, but like we said, Denver's defense, they has have held the last two weeks running backs in check. So that's not a shock that Damian Williams and McCoy, none of them really McCoy at least had sixty yards. He at least did some damage. But he didn't have a the Broncos did really well against stopping him. Will or will this bump up his his impact? Now you gotta wonder with more out there. You would think, okay, with McCoy having pretty solid, uh, at least th- tonight he had pretty solid numbers. He didn't really do much in the receiving category, but he has it all year. Damian Williams, not as much as well. Will this be something where the tight end, Kelsey, and the running backs increase in receptions? Because defenses can now just focus and say, take the running game away, and we challenge Matt Moore Mar- to beat us. I don't know, man. That's that that could end up because now you're going to say okay now the running backs are affected because the D, the they're putting eight men in the box so they don't even have to probably with those running backs maybe seven um, but we'll see right there I think the running game depending on, will be matchup dependent now and you know it'll say okay this is a bad running defense they will be a good week to play them if it's an average team or above this, they might not get anything going unless it's in the receiving category which could be beneficial. Because uh, none of them, with the committee approach, none of them really broke 100 yards as far as I could see. Sammy Watkins, he did not come back tonight, which sucks. Hopefully he comes back. He's missed two weeks. That's Sammy Watkins' whole career. Will he be affected now? You would have to think if Tyreek Hill is, Sammy Watkins definitely will be with more. Like we said, if they can, they're going to challenge more. Is he going to throw a lot of interceptions? Are the who knows? Andy Reid, I, I trust in Andy Reid. To me, in football, it, the most important position is the coach and the quarterback to follow. I don't trust Matt Moore, but he's been in the league long enough to where he might be able to be adequate enough. I do trust Andy Reid until he gets to the finals. Uh, He did get to a Super Bowl, though, so what do I know? So those are the impacts with Patrick Mahomes. Denver's D was so – the biggest shock to me for the night was Denver's defense was not the points – I mean, they still put up more points than I thought, but Denver's defense, which had been, like we talked about, so good the last few games – to just come out there at home on a short week and not be able to get it done. With Mahomes going out, it's not like Mahomes went out in the third, late in the third. They had a whole second half, and they still uh, did get some stops, but they didn't force any big turnovers or defensive touchdowns, which was disappointing. Flacco, I only saw most of the first half. I saw the first half, a little bit of the second half, and Flacco, from what I saw, he, he wasn't great because he held on the ball too long. I don't know if he was afraid to, to turn it over. He ended up with that fumble, which really killed Denver right there, um, setting him up, the Chiefs, with uh, a defensive touchdown right there because Denver's defense, like we said, had been playing so well. You'd like to see them at least get a chance to get out there and stop him. But he was holding the ball too long. Um, he's not a great scrambler, so he's doing his best. The Chiefs are getting way too much pressure. But Flacco was not as good as he could have been. Uh, you know, we saw in our group text, Jacob, Brian, everyone, you know, you guys saw more of the game than I did, and you were both yelling, Flacco's terrible. Elway should be – I thought that was a great comment. Elway should be fired for getting Flacco. Remember, they, Elway was saying, you know, Flacco's got his best years ahead of him, and he's still in his prime, and that was complete nonsense. His prime was already passed when he won that Super Bowl. I don't know. So that's the effects of our Thursday night football game. The first half was decent, at least if you were non-biased and you were just watching it to enjoy football. I at least enjoyed the first half. Second half got kind of boring. And I lost interest in it. But that is it with that. Now, Austin, thank you very much. Austin left me a voicemail because I continue to forget to talk about our Solomon Award. Uh, No one really mentioned it, probably because we only had several members of the league here at the draft. We didn't really do the awards. The reason I didn't do the awards is because, you know, I 
we know that I won the championship. I did say, hey, yeah, I got the title. We did do a few things, but we didn't really go in depth like we normally do. Um, a couple of the trophies weren't here. Jacob had forgot them. He won uh, the President's Trophy and the regular season trophy last year. He left both those at home. <laughs> so we'll have to get those next draft when they get handed out, unless Jacob wins them both. Then uh, he could still bring them and, and take pictures with them. Uh, that's a possibility. But also Brian wasn't here, and Brian had won them both. Uh, Brian was out with his father driving, so we didn't get a chance to give it to him. But the Solomon Award, we didn't bring the, this shot out. I know some people don't care about it. I might force the award on us. Um, I, I don't want to ever water down the league with awards. Where we're at, I think, is where we'll stick. You know, we got a, a trophy for the best team throughout the regular season. We got a trophy for the team that scores the most points throughout the season. We have a playoff championship, the UC title, undisputed champion. Those are all, I don't think that's watering down the league. Those are all trophies. And and then also we have the MVP, the trophy for the player who put up the most points throughout the season. Sometimes it can be debatable because you can have the highest scoring guy on a team that didn't even make the playoffs. So I don't know if we'll ever change that. Maybe we'll say, hey, it's to a guy who's most important to a team that was really good. Kind of like MLB or like the real league. We could change that. I might do that this year. But the Solomon Award, I didn't give it out last season. The reason was I always, you know, people have been really good at returning texts. This last season, I don't know, some of you were busy. I did get out of uh, a possible 12 or 11 because I count as one. But as a possible 11 people, only six responded and I did put a little pressure if no one responds by the second attempt text I do a group text I do an individual text if I don't get a response then I just cast you out you know all we need in the end is a, is one or two votes really I mean Nick won it the second year and no one voted but me and I remember everyone busted up at the trophy ceremony Moni thought that was funny but yeah Nick had made some good moves and and he was one of the ones nominated and I voted for Nick and no one else voted and so uh, that was before we did a bunch of the group texts. We did mostly uh, the, all the information was distributed on our Facebook page. So some people didn't even watch the video or realize. So since then, we did it in the group text and everyone's always been, we've always got 99%, actually 100%. We have always had 100%. This last year, we didn't. And it came down to who it was between me and someone else and I won. I won because I got three first place votes. And then it's also based off of whoever gets the most first place votes. If it's a tie, then it goes off a point system. Well, I barely won. Someone else had two. I had one, th uh, three. But it just, you know, I don't know. It, to me, it was that wasn't the, the I that's all. You can't vote for yourself. The person I voted for, I'll tell you, was Jose, and uh, not because you know he finished uh, five and seven, but he at, was. Oh no, he finished five and eight, but he lost the last game of the season, where he had a chance to. He was very close to if he had won the last game. And Eric had won the game the week before against Elijah, which he lost just by like a point on the last second. Uh, Jose had a shot to actually make the playoffs. And that's to me what the whole award started from. I talked about it was John Solomon. He had a season where he made moves that we in our league kind of mocked him, thought they were ridiculous at times. His draft was almost at times comical. But that's just John being John if you know him. You know, he walks up to the draft board and John's pointing at a guy's name. He's all... He sounds like a black guy. I'll take that guy. And, you know, we're like, what the heck, dude? What is, what is that? Or he'll just point at, you know, the third the third uh, receiver down and go, hey, he's got a fast guy's name. I'll take him. And some of it, you know, he didn't really know much. He would just go off the rankings. But sometimes you don't want to just take the top guy because then it sounds like you're just taking whatever's the top left if you don't know much about sports. So you want to sound like, you know, I'm going to – oh, yeah, the fourth guy down. And 
And some of the every, almost everyone he took hit, and that's, I mean, even Gronk. I think he took Gronk with the first pick in his draft, and that was like one of Gronk's best years ever. And John was like six and one, or he started six and zero, oh, and was like six and one, six and two, and then he had a bunch of injuries. Finished the season with nine wins, but the whole thing was he had a, every time he lost some guys, he would bring in these other guys where it was just like kind of a head scratcher, and they worked. And it was just the end of the year. I remember I was just like, man. I'm not, like I said, I'm not putting any other awards at it, and I never have. You know, this is our ninth season. We'll be starting our tenth season next year. I've never, everything's been the same since the third season. The only other one we ever added from the originals after season one was the Solomon that I named after John. And it was a play on words because Solomon in the Bible was the smartest man ever. And so he had made all these moves, and so we made that. We made that, or got that trophy for him. And ever since then, we were like, it's going to go to the GM of the year. But a lot of times we've had it go to people. Sometimes they'll vote, oh, that, you know, they would t- text me in the group, oh, well, this guy, like the year Matt won it. I mean, it literally came down to one point between him and Elijah. Uh, Matt won it by one point, and he had had the best season. He had the, you know, best record. It wasn't to basically say, here's an extra trophy for a guy we already know was the best at everything. It was, it's supposed to be a guy who makes moves who might at times, you know, what is it? I wrote this down. Uh, they do more with less. And not that, you know, it could be their fault. Maybe they had a bad draft. So you go, well, that's their fault. Then they're not a great GM. Well, no, they, they took a sinking ship and, and, and improved it. And they did what they could. And they patched it up. Dino Dan was a great example. You know, I put him, I nominated him that year. You, you might have looked at it and said, how could a guy who was dead last in league in scoring and make the playoffs? It's just pure luck. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean – yes, he had lucky weeks where he might have scored 100 and the, the, his opponent scored less. But he had he had injuries. He had guys who didn't pan out. He had Wes Welker and Manning. And I, I can't remember if Manning got hurt that year. That was the year after Dino Dan had those two and they did great. Welker got hurt. I think he had another concussion. It was done. Those were his aces. And he did what he could. And he made the playoffs. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you score outscored him by 300. He made the playoffs. And he, I nominated him that year. He didn't get it. But the whole point was that that is what I was looking for. That's what the Solomon Award was supposed to be about. And I know, I, I, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody. I hope it's, it's uh, an honor if you, if, if you, you, know, you get, get the award. It's something that people don't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, whoop-de-doo. I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't care about that kind of thing. I am, when it comes to things like this, I do get, I get excited. Obviously, I mean, how other leagues are we in where they got weekly videos on Facebook and uh, their, G, their commissioner doing a podcast you know, I, and I don't get any money. It's not like you guys are doing monthly or yearly fees. So it's something that I'm passionate about and I enjoy. And that's what the Solomon award was. So I am now not going to, it's not going to be any more for votes because it's sometimes it's, you know, I've had people also text me, oh, well, who's nominated after I've already made the video and after I already put it out in the text and after I already mentioned it, you know, to the person, hey, these are the nominees. Now, it's always been, we've changed the last few years where it's, here's the top three or top four. One year I even had top five guys that I think based on it, the reasons. And I would make a, you know, a 15 minute video on it on our Facebook page. And then I would get a text, oh, who's nominated? Well, I, you know, I already said who's nominated. And it just felt like if you don't want to watch a video, that's fine. And I'll tell you who they are. And you guys will just say, okay, I'll, he's, I'll give him the most votes because he finished first place. Well, that's not what the award was about. If it was just that, then I would might as well never have created it. You know, you already got the award for, for uh, having the best record. 
That's the regular season trophy. You already got the award for scoring the most points, so it's not just based on that. Jose was a perfect example last year of a guy who was 0-6. He fell to 0-7 because, like I mentioned, he had like five guys in a bye week, and you can't cut all those guys to make up. So that was basically a, I'm throwing in the towel this week. I'll do my best. He did put up a few scrubs, but he got annihilated. A lot of us would have just said, trade anyone I can. Now, he did know we were coming into a contract league, so he kept the guys, but he still could have traded some and got draft picks to be prepared for next season. But he didn't. He continued to put in plug-in guys, and I made a video last year. Nobody has to watch it. I'm not saying watch it, but I made a video where we put in um, reasons why and some of the moves he had made throughout the season, and he won five straight games and cost some guys playoff uh, spots. That's what the award was for, so I am going to be in control of it now. For now on, it's just going to be me. I'm not going to put it up to vote. I'm just going to do the season, and and what it basically does is it excludes me. I don't care. I really honestly wanted to win it at least once. I got it twice. I wanted at least once just for the fact that it it made me feel like, hey, you know what? My peers uh, appreciated it. And that's what it was. It was supposed to be something where your peers or your other, you know, league members uh, give you credit for doing something that they feel you were the best at that season. And, And we joke around like Jacob. Jacob right now is number one on my list. And I know right now you would say, well, isn't that hypocritical? You just got done saying, I know he's six and oh, I know he's. He's number two in scoring right now. He's for the top, but he, he's that at that point. Now, see, Matt won it one year when he was the best. Brian won it a year that he was he he was one of the best. It, it could still go to those guys as long as it's not just something like like the year Elijah almost won it. He had a really good draft, and then that was it. You know, everything just went his way. He didn't have any injuries. Uh, some of the guys that he got. Um, you know, Elijah just looked off ESPN draft thing and got him and just set his lineup. And he, he did get some luck throughout the season, but he didn't make a lot of moves. And I don't know. He I, he wasn't one of mine. I voted for that year. I, you know, I just didn't think I just go, oh, he didn't really do much. He just got lucky kind of why other guys actually made moves. And Jacob, we talked about the draft. Sutton was one of the last players he picked. Waller, who's been excellent, one of the was the absolute last player he picked. So he's picking because Eric took the night, kept the Niners D, and some people might have been questioned with that. That was a move I, I thought was very impressive because we saw with Bosa and D Ford they were going to be better, and now they are incredible. And their defense is a reason he has two wins. He should he should have at least three. I know we didn't. Several guys in our team. We have a bunch of guys two and four. There should be several who have three wins. Jose should have maybe four wins. Austin should be six and zero. Oh. So there's a lot of coulda shouldas, um, but. Like the move that we just I just said right now, uh, Lazard, Eric picked up Lazard. Now we might look at it and say, oh, you know, maybe it pans out and is nothing. But those are the moves that now that I'm taking over is the Solomon, a guy who's going to say, these are, these are the three. At the end of the season, I'll give you top three, and then I'll announce the winner, and then you'll get the award next season. I'm thinking of buying a new one because that old one is thrashed. Thank you very much, Matt. But that's basically what I've said. There's other guys I've seen where, you know, now with a contract league too, it's it's not going to be just like like I've been fortunate to have some of the best running backs. Jacob has been fortunate. You know, some of the guys who have the higher records carried over some really good guys last year. I'm looking to see Jose. Jose's one of the ones on my list. He sh- if if it was just up to me last year, Jose would have got it. You know, if this rule was in play last year, that's why I'm just like he did some moves that really uh, shocked the league. Um, showed people that he was on the ball and he was doing whatever he could and he made a lot of moves. And uh, I've seen some of that with Dino Dan, with Nick, 
with his quarterback injuries with Big Ben. Um, but Jose, right now, if I had to say top three, and I'm not looking over any lists, I'm just saying the top of my head who's I've been impressed with. Um, I would have to say, in in any order, it would be Jose, uh, Jacob, and probably Eric, because some of us, you know, we've already had been fortunate, and some of us are just bad luck, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so that's the news on the Solomon Award. Like I said why it's there it can still go to the guy with the best record if he's someone who has done an incredible draft and a lot of incredible and now that we have contract leagues it is going to be something where it might have to be moves done throughout the season either based off injury or based off trade or based off incredible draft picks and looking for those sneaky guys and a few of the guys in our league have done that so that will cover that i went a little too long on that probably talking about the history of it i apologize if that was boring or if you had to fast forward that now let's get to another thing that popped up. Contract players. I had someone text me the other day, hey, can I trade a guy I have on a two-year deal to a guy who uh, is on a one-year deal, but he's got 10? So basically you would be sending a guy who has two. So if let's say I have 10. Let's do the math. I got 10, and I'm going to send a one-year guy to you, and you're going to send me a two-year guy. Obviously, that won't fit. That would mean I have 11. That would fit for you because now you would drop from 10 to 9 or whatever your case may be. You could even have less. But you're only taking on a one year and you're losing two. That totally works. But because, see, the reason is the, this. his reasoning was the, the contract that he's on this season falls off at the end of the year. So if you trade for a guy who, let's say, like I said, I've covered it before. If I trade for Baker Mayfield off Matt, I have to count for all five years this season. But the only one... But the one for the season at the end of the season falls off. So on the books, I'll be stuck for four until all four years are done. So even to the going into the last year, you know, I've already sat through three years of Baker and he's been great or whatever, or he's been terrible. He's still, I'm still on the book for all four until that fourth year is done. Then it's all off the books. But I don't take on the fifth year on the books because that season's, you. it's only starts with the, if you have them from week one. Week one on, it'll start. Preseason, you trade him, it, it still will carry over to the new guy. But it stays with the new guy all through the hole till the contract expires. So no, you could not trade a guy who has two years to a guy who is already at 10 because if he gets rid of a one-year guy, he's at nine, and that other year won't fall off until the end of the season. Then he could. So I hope that clears that up. I hope that makes sense. Oh, and then another one I wanted to cover. This is just an example. Let's say I had Andrew Luck. Okay, let's say I had him in the offseason. I didn't put a contract on him because secretly I wanted Kyler Murray really bad and I was hoping I could get him or Lamar Jackson. I ended up getting both. But let's say I had kept Andrew Luck for two years and he and he retires, you know, retires. Now he's he's free and he was – or oh, no, 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 he did retire. It's different with retiring um, because now he's officially off the books. Yeah, he's still going to have to. If the guy enters the year, if a guy enters the year, Antonio Brown was on the record for three years with Jose. Antonio Brown, here's the other example. Antonio Brown retires, right? He's done with football. Jose cuts him right there. He is free. Jose gets those three contracts back instantly. Now, if I pick up Brown or if you pick up Luck, you can keep him for that year if he comes back that year. But you cannot put new contracts on him because he's on your roster at the end of the season. And the reason for that is I covered this with a few people who were attempting to do trades earlier this year and they had questions. The reason for this, so I'm telling everyone, hopefully everyone listens to the podcast. I don't know if everyone does. But the reason for that is because you have to be allowed for everyone to draft him. Now, I get the fact that Antonio Brown, 
was picked up by Dan O'Dan and then cut, any of us could have got him, right? But none of us are going to pick him up because we don't have room at the time. We have full rosters. And it's just at the point he might not come back until next year. So the reason is you want everyone the chance. Now, because you got Brown like that, but let's say I cut Andrew Luck and then all of a sudden uh, someone goes, okay, I'm number one on the waiver wire. I hear a rumor he might come back and they grab him before anyone else can, right? You're number two or three on the waiver wire. The guy ahead of you doesn't want him. You get him and now you hold him all year and then he does come back and then you pop a contract on him. No one else had a chance to get him because he was under contract, he was cut, and the waiver wire priority was used. And the whole thing is that no one else had a chance to get him. Once you're on a contract, whether you are traded, cut, anything, if if I cut right now, if I cut Saquon Barkley, let's say he was out for the rest of the year and I cut him and I got him a four-year deal and I eat the contract where I'm, okay, now I got dead four dead contracts and Barkley's on the, on the free agent list and someone picks him up for next year, he still cannot be kept under contract. He would have to enter the draft again to give everyone an equal chance to try to, to draft him. Make sense? I hope it should make sense. But I'm covering all this now so that we can come back to it. I have it all written down. Um, but each, each podcast we talk a little bit about more. I will write on the messages or the notes of the, the podcast so that in future if something comes up, you can look it up. I'll always have it titled Contract Talk contract talk so you can look it up and go what did he talk about what you know if they have any questions all righty now let's get into the part oh before before we get to the game previews i want to get into dino dan's guarantee he guarantees that one of the two six and teams go down this week i don't know how if he was playing one of us or that would have been even better that would have been great if dino dan uh, i i don't know when dino dan plays jacob I really hope he's undefeated and and Dino Dan gets a chance to take on Jacob uh, because then maybe he can put another guarantee and that would be exciting to see if that happens. But he maybe Dino Dan just has a gut feeling. He's got a feeling that one of these undefeated teams is going down and this is the week for it. Let's cover both games and what is a possibility why one of these could one of us can go down. It's myself and Jacob. Let's look at my game. I'm taking on Steve. I'm not gonna this is not a game review. I'm just doing this. I'm predicted to score 157. Steve is predicted to score 127. Now, he had LaShawn McCoy play tonight. McCoy uh, only got nine points, but he was only predicted to get eight. So I mean, I'm sure Steve was begging for 18, 20, a big game for him. He did have a 20-point game earlier in the season, but he did outscore his projection. And me, I played like a genius. I didn't think, you know, I love, um, uh, oh my gosh, why, uh, brain freeze, I forgot it. Anyways, uh, I want to keep calling him Moyer, the stupid pitcher. Jamie Collins, Jamie Collins Sr. for the Patriots. I picked him up last week for the primetime game on Thursday night. Uh, he's not very good at tackles. He's good at big plays. But I was like, you know what? I wanted to have someone for tonight's game. And uh, I believe it's Alexander. He's, he had two really good games in a row, 20 points. He took over as a starter. He had a terrible game, only 3.8 points. That, that, that's a huge advantage for Steve. Now, the thing is, my total projection actually went up by a point because Alexander was only predicted to get two points. I don't know why. Maybe it's based off of earlier in the season when he was just like a, a, a special teams uh, linebacker and he wasn't the starter, but now he's actually jumped the two starters ahead of him and he is the starter. And he was project he you know I got him hoping hey for fifteen to twenty he only got three so it's three point eight so almost four very disappointing but he did outscore his projection so I actually went up so one fifty seven to one twenty seven 
I will cover why maybe Steve could win in the, the, the projections. I have a 30-point edge on him. Let's look at Jacobs. He has 150 over 137 for Eric. His projection is slight different. He is scoring a lot less than he has. Now, remember, the Patriots defense, he's had games where last week he was projected to score 154, and the Patriots defense smoked, smoked on primetime uh, last week, and that jumped up drastically to like 180. So we'll see what's going to happen. Eric's got the Niners D, which is just looking for an incredible game at Washington. Redskins, they're Redskins and Dolphins. There's a few teams where you really your mouse water when you play them. The Niners D looks to maybe even outscore New England this week. I would not be shocked at New Jersey at New Jersey at New York for the Jets. Uh, we know their stadium is in New Jersey, but that is a possibility that the Jets, especially with Darnold and Le'Veon Bell, do not be shocked if the Patriots let one slip a little. You know, they might come back down to earth, which would be ridiculous to say 25 points is back down to earth, but they could do that, and the Niners D could actually. If the Niners D outscores Jacob, Eric has a real chance to pull the upset right there. And like I said, he's, his, he's not so far behind. Now, Sutton was favored, expected to get 15 points. He got 14. So that's still pretty solid, and that's still pretty good, uh, keeping Jacob's uh, advantage still on the number. But let's get in. We covered that game last night. So let's look at it real fast. And find out what is the possibility. What else is in there? That, that team. Excuse me for a second. Let me find it. We'll cover all the players that played tonight as well. Yeah, Sutton, 14 points. Right now, you got 150 to 137. We already th- talked about this game last night with all the positions. Eric should be happy. Hey, Sutton got 14. When he had six catches for 87 yards, he was looking like he might break 100 earlier by halftime. He was looking like he could have a really 120 to 150-yard game. He did not get it. I guarantee you that's why Jacob was not happy with Flacco and how much garbage he was. But there is a possibility Eric can pull the upset. My game, we'll see if Steve can pull it. He is winning right now, 9 to 3.8. So that is a possibility. You never know. You never know. I mean, last week I had a guy get injured and got a zero, and I got Amari Cooper got injured and got a one. So between two guys, and then Will Fuller only got nine. So between three guys, I only got 10 points. So it all depends on your big guns, who shows up and who doesn't show up. So let's get to the game reviews, and we will start with my game. Right here, we're already on it. The Murray Kyler Moore show going against the Hot Chubb Time Machine. Now I have an advantage because Hot Chubb is not there, and that's the only reason McCoy played tonight. Chubb has been one of the, the key cogs in Steve's uh, team this year, and one of the reasons he has at least two wins, and he has won two in a row. Jimmy G going against that uh, that Redskins defense. This might be one that Jimmy G finally has a huge breakout game. He had a pretty good game at Cincinnati. I expect nothing less than 25 points on the road against Washington, and they've had several defensive guys injured. You think Garoppolo might throw for 300, could throw a couple touchdowns, and if he doesn't, let's say he just has you know a 19 to 20 point game, which is still solid. He's got Brita, who's Brita or Coleman. You know, Eric's hoping for Coleman. Steve's hoping for Brita. One of them is going to have a monster game, or they can both have good games. They can both come out with 18 to 20, or you might have one come out with a 30-point performance because the Redskins' defense is terrible. Last year was terrible against the run. It's not any better. Brita is one of the highest averages in the league, if not the best, on yards per carry. So that's looking scary. Those are two things right there that really go. And George Kittle. So he's get his his trust is in his his team, the Niners. The Niners can walk away with an easy victory against the Redskins. 
and help try to pull the upset. And nobody, nobody in our league, I, I can't imagine. I know Dino Dan might be like sick of, you know, I've got kind of a run where I've beaten him like three or four straight. But Dino Dan, you beat me like the first six or seven times before I ever got a win. Steve has been really, really snake bitten against me. Uh, two championships in football he lost, a baseball championship he lost. He really, I'm due. I'm due. He owes me one, and nothing would make him happier. You know, he almost ruined in our baseball league, he almost ruined my undefeated season. The last game of the season, I was 12 and 0, and he had the lead, but in the morning, because of uh, stat correction, uh, he went from a seven point lead to a tie. Um, so that would have been that would have been one of the best victories for him to cost me that but um so he's got a shot you know to be the guy to end my 6 and 0 streak the best start i've ever had i've never had a better start than 2 and 0 so this will be the best way for him to end it uh 15 straight games if you count from last year he'd be the guy to end it the longest uh winning streak over two seasons the longest winning streak in a season is still at 9 games with dino dan Unless you count play, you know, regular. We're just doing regular season. Just doing regular season right now. That's what we're talking about. Dino Dan still has the best. Jacob and myself are trying to knock on that record. We're a couple away. Steve would love it. Dino Dan, I know you're begging for Steve to come away with a victory. You're. This is one time you guys can agree with each other. You're not a Yankee fan. You're definitely not a Niner fan. But you are a Steve. You're gonna have to cheer for the Niners this week because you're in my division too. This will. This can help you gain a game on me. Um, but yeah, Steve, he deserves to get a, If anyone deserves a victory, it would be Steve. But running backs, he's got Breida and McCoy. Barkley, we'll see. You know, Barkley has a great matchup, a great matchup for Barkley to come back to against the Arizona Cardinal and their bad defense. Ezekiel Elliott, the Eagles, the good thing is the Eagles' run defense is really good. Their pass defense is not bad, although they are getting, I think, one of their corners back. But Amari Cooper's out, so that's the best news for Steve. The fact that Zeke is going against a tough run defense, we'll see what he can do. Zeke's been pretty solid this year. You know, right now in the rankings, he's top six running back and ranked uh, 20 points a game. That's it. I need basically, it's going to come down to Murray, Barkley, and Elliott. And can Breida bust out a 30-point game or 25-point game? Something where he gets his two running backs with McCoy uh, combining for around 35 or so. Uh, Jimmy G, we know, will have a good game. Kyler Murray should have a good game against the Giants. Kyler Murray has climbed all the way up into the top 10. He is number seven right now overall in quarterbacks in our league at 26 points per game. Jimmy G is 25th with 16 points. But some of his games have been defensive games where, they, like I said, they rely on the run. But against a bad Redskins uh, defense, this might be one, just like with the Bengals, where he puts out one of his best performances of the season. We'll see. Wide receivers, I Julio Jones. Number one, out of all four receivers, like I said, Amari Cooper's out. Amari Cooper had a, a three-touchdown game last year in this same place in Dallas against this Eagle team. So it's killing me to have him out. And he picked a perfect, you know, just like he lost Nick Chubb, you know, he lost one of his strongest points. I lost Chris Godwin, who's the number one receiver in fantasy this year, who's on a bye week. So you're taking away uh, two top five receivers with Godwin on a bye, number one, and Cooper, number five. I lost two top five receivers. That is, this is a perfect opportunity for Steve, led by Julio Jones, who should have a, well, we'll see, you know, we'll see. I was going to say, but right about to say he should have a great matchup against the Rams in a shootout with Tlaib out, but I just, it just hit me again, like lightning striking the brain. Uh, they got, they got um, Ramsey. So we'll see right now, Jalen Ramsey, if he covers him, if he plays most of the game, that might actually lock him down. It might actually make a better performance for 
uh, Ridley and Sanu or the running running backs in that system. But Julio Jones is the best of all the receivers. Robert Woods, if I get Robert Woods to outscore Julio Jones, it'll look real good for my team. It'll be tough for him. That means Robert Woods had a monster game or Julio Jones had a terrible game. So that's all I'm hoping for. Looking on the paper, I'm going to be watching those two saying, hey, Robert Woods, you're beating Julio Jones. This game should be in the bag. Will Fuller and Mike Williams. Mike Williams is more consistent with targets. He, uh, If he can just stay healthy. I mean, look at the last two weeks. Six for 74, five for 72. He just needs to sprinkle a touchdown in there. And last year, he was great at touchdowns and in the red zone. He's been injured too much. It's, so hopefully he could stay on the field the whole game and get out there and at least get a touchdown this week in that streak. I got Will Fuller. I'm just begging that he can just catch one touchdown, not drop three like he did last week. No one expects him to do what he did two weeks ago. But if I can just get any kind of production out of him, that would be a benefit. If you look at the four receivers, I'm going to have to lean towards Steve just in the fact that I think Williams and Will Fuller could be a wash. Both of them have potential. Will Fuller has the highest ceiling behind Julio Jones. We know Will Fuller has had plenty of games with Deshaun Watson lifetime where he's averaging over 20-plus a game. Julio Jones, like I said, is the safest bet out of all of them. In a combo, the way Robert Woods, unless he's only had – a good game against Carolina week one, and then he destroyed the Bucks. After that, he's been non-existent. The Niners kept him without a catch. That's the first time ever, I believe, as a Rams player, he's been held without a catch in his career. So we'll see what happens this week. I do think uh, if I had to base it on receivers, I would rather have his two for this week. So he's got the edge and receiver. Tight end, you got to give it to Kittle. Great matchup. The Packers last few years and this year have been really good against tight ends. I know it's Waller. Uh, I just got him in a trade. I'm just hoping Waller can give me 10 points and I'll be happy. Uh, But he's got a tougher matchup. Kittle, meanwhile, has a much easier matchup against the Redskins. And Kittle's had his two best games of the season since Steve's gotten him. So got to give advantage to tight end by a little bit. Not too much, but I would much rather have Kittle going into this game than especially with the matchup. Flex, I don't know what to make. Metcalf. He, he had a touchdown the other week. He can easily do that again against this Ravens secondary. Derrick Henry, you almost want to – I'm almost wondering, do I want to play Fitzgerald? You know, Fitzgerald is someone who is at least going to go out and get me 10 points. He's got double digits, I think, every game this year against the Giants. He's got to be good for 6 to 60. He can easily, like last week against Atlanta, get me 12 points. Derrick Henry, the only reason is the matchup is so good. San Diego has been so bad. Last week against the Steelers, two weeks ago against the Broncos. Um, they've been, throughout the season, not very good stopping the running backs. And they're they're bleeding bad now. You know, they're really struggling. And it's in Tennessee. The Titans with Tannehill now. They might have an actual throwing game if Tannehill can uh, get some completions downfield, open it up. And we'll see if this is one of those games where Henry breaks another big 80-yard run or something and just runs on the Chargers. If Henry has a monster game, that could really swing it. Uh, if if you, right now if you told me to play Metcalf or Henry, I'm going to take Henry because he has a better matchup. Both of them have good matchups, but the Chargers have just been so bad against the run. You got to you got to have hope that maybe the offense will flow a little better. Defense, he's already got it. There's no way Alexander's not going to get 3.8 points. Knock on wood, stay healthy. He should have that. The Redskins with Callahan love to run. He's going to probably give Adrian Peterson at least 25 carries in that matchup, and even if they fall. A couple touchdowns behind. They're going to stay involved. Alexander should. That's good for him to get a lot of tackles. He's got the edge there. And with defense, 
If you look at rankings, Buffalo is the number one ranked, even, yes, over New England this week. They are at home against the Dolphins, although the only thing that might sway me a little is that Fitzmagic is playing. He is a former Buffalo Bill. He might go out there and just sling it, throw three touchdowns. Do not put it past him. You know, do not. He, we saw he brought them back last week against the Redskins. He had that crazy look in his eye. But he can also go out there and, like he's done in the past, have a good game and then go out there and throw three interceptions in the first half and get benched. So who knows? Who knows? But Buffalo should uh, outdo the Saints against the Bears. The Saints, though, have been really consistently strong. Uh, Trubisky's back. That might be actually good news because he seems to turn the ball over more. If I had to pick a defense, I'm definitely taking Buffalo, so I think I have an edge there. So they have me projected outscoring by 30. We'll see if that happens. Matchup-wise, quarterback I think is a wash. Running backs, I, I win that hands down, barring an injury. Receivers, he's got the edge on receivers. Tight end, he's got the slight edge and tight end. And then the flex, it's it could be anything. That's, I have no idea. I have no idea. Both of them have potential high ceilings. Defense, he's got it on the defensive player. So it's a little back and forth. If you take it back by sections, back and forth. If you Sometimes when you break down games like that, it seems like, hey, this the score could be closer than it's projected. And it has been. You know, it has been. Because I know we always say who knows what can happen any given Sunday. But if you base it on uh, pieces back and forth, back and forth, it's nine. You can have a guy uh, have five five to four. You know, I remember a few games um, – Brian, Brian or Jacob, somebody had um, – they were actually trailing in, in projections, but they still won the game. You know, it's all about – like if Julio Jones outscores Robert Woods by four, then yes, he had the receiver edge. His wide receivers outplayed mine. But if it's only by five or six points, but my running backs go up by 30, that's the game right there. So it's important that to – more important to have higher points from a few guys. I know we know this, but I'm just saying when I go back and forth and you, we base, break it down like this, it seems like Steve has a chance. So I'm not not selling him out. He's got a shot. He's got really good matchups. This is the week. This is the week. Like I said, I don't. It, last week, like I said, I had three guys get ten points, but then you threw in Zeke's thirty points. You threw in the Broncos' big D. You know the Bills could get me a big performance. But when you have other guys picking up the slack, you know Godwin had a really monster game, thirty plus points. Well, I don't have Godwin this week. Two weeks ago. Amari Cooper got me 49 points. I don't have Amari Cooper. So this is the week that Steve could catch me. And maybe that's what Dino Dan was talking about, saying he feels like this could be the week. Danny doesn't have any aces with wide receivers up his sleeve. And this could be the week that it happens. So good luck, Steve, with that. Let's cover our next game. And the next one is Dino Dan against Brian. Now, Brian is favored to get 141 since Lindsay only had four points. Very disappointing. This was one where every expert, every expert from every, from coast to coast said, play Lindsey, put your Bronco, even Freeman, put your running back, Bronco running backs in. This is it. Freeman just had, or no, not Freeman. Um, oh my gosh. Lindsey. Well, sometimes these names are right in front of me and I forget them. Lindsey, three, four weeks ago, had 28 against Green Bay. Then two weeks against the Chargers, 29 points. We mentioned how big that was. Against Tennessee, 15 points. So he is on fire. You know, the only team he didn't do anything, and it was still a good game. He had 53 yards rushing, but it was against Jacksonville where he only had six. And he comes out tonight and gets 11 carries for 36 yards. They couldn't get anything in a groove. Huge disappointment for Brian on both ends because his Broncos lost, and then also Lindsey hurt his chances. Kelsey, you know, I don't know how Brian feels about trading his guys, but if you're interested in Kelsey, 
you're going to have to overpay still, but you got a shot. Maybe Brian might say, you know what, I, I don't mind getting rid of this guy, especially with Mahomes going down. Who knows? You know, that's those are the kind of things you got to look at when you're looking for a trade. Does he want to trade Kelsey? He might say, no, I'm not trading the number one type. He's not number one now, but he's still the – if you gave me right now starting the draft, I would say uh, you'd want – to have, I would probably still draft Kelsey, if you you know if you said hey, because we don't know from the outcome now. If you said hey, his first few weeks he's gonna get double digits every week, but once I'd still take him. Kelsey's still my favorite tight end, but the fact that he's not playing this Chiefs offense and now Holmes is is down, who knows where he's gonna end up? He's still the third ranked tight end. Give me a tight end that averages 15 points a game any day of the week, but he only got 10. So Brian's prediction went down. Projection, I'm sorry, went down. And this is good news for Dino Dan. Let's start with the matchup with quarterback Carson Wentz at Dallas. The Cowboys defense is not as dangerous as we thought when they give up a 92-yard touchdown last week. Uh, Sam Darnold did not have a great game, but he had a pretty solid game. I think uh, Wentz can do even better. And we saw what Wentz did against Minnesota. In Minnesota, why could we not think he's not going to do this against Dallas in a huge division primetime game? Tom Brady at the New York Jets on Monday Night Football. The Jets are not the history that Brady's had with Buffalo and Miami. At times, they, they struggle there on the road against them. So I'm still counting Brady to go out there and have a, a, a pretty respectable game, maybe even a 30-point game because the Jets' defense has not been too intimidating. Uh, their offense is better now, but their defense is not. So quarterback-wise, if you told me – I would rather have Wentz just in the fact that the weather, the area, Dallas um, – I think Wentz, the Eagles' offense, everything's just clicking, it seems, the last few weeks. Not their defense, but the Eagles as a whole. I would rather have Wentz this week, but not by much. I mean, Brady, Brady's just got to hope that he's got some help and that Edelman can play. Uh, I don't think Gordon's going to play. If Dorsett gets out there, he needs some of his weapons. But if we quarterbacks, I would say Wentz slightly. Wentz slightly. It might even be a push. You might even say a push. I think both quarterbacks are even. I think they're both going to come within a few points of each other. Running backs, Mack and Jones against Lindsey and Ingram. Even if I didn't know. Now, if I had talked about this game last night, I would have still chosen Dino Dan's running backs. And let me tell you why. Lindsey, I would have said, is going to have a big game. I wouldn't think Ingram would have a monster game. I don't know what to expect. We saw at Seattle, Kamara and the Saints ran all over them. So Ingram and Lamar Jackson could easily run all over them. But they could also be in a matchup where they try to take Ingram away and they want Lamar Jackson to see if his – because he's inconsistent at times with his accuracy. Make him beat him with his arm, not his legs, and they can just do what they can to take away the run. But I would have thought Lindsey had a big game. But Mack, I expect big things from Marlon Mack against Houston. He's at Indianapolis. They're going to do what they can to get a lead and pound on the ball. When he gets uh, all those carries, when he gets over 20 carries, he's had 30 points. Only eight points. That was a tough one at Tennessee. And 22 points against Kansas City. And they, like we said, get control of the clock against Houston. If they can get anything where the game is close, Mac should have a big game. Now with Lindsey having that, I'm really going to take him. you got to wonder, they're not going to just ignore Aaron Jones now and make, make – uh, Williams the full-time back. I still think it's going to be a 50-50 timeshare. Aaron Jones is ranked fifth in the league, but that's off of that 50-point performance. I still like him. He had a, he could have had a monster game last week, but he messed that up. I think he'll rally back. I don't know what to expect with the Raiders' defense, so it's so hard to predict because they're not the same Raiders' D. But I still think, uh, just like 
Dalvin Cook ran all over him. I think Aaron Jones can do the same thing and have a good game with Jamal Williams as a team back. And uh, I'll take Dan, Dino Dan. I'll give him the edge in running backs. Ingram's going to have to put up a 25 to 30 point performance to try to pick up the slack for Lindsey, which will be hard. Receivers, you got Michael Thomas and and Michael Gallup going against Kenny Galladay and John Brown. Oh man, out of all these running backs, or I'm sorry, running backs receivers, I think the two who have the best matchups and carry the day are Gallup and Brown, both the wide receiver twos. They're secondary. Thomas and Galladay are the bigger names, and I still think they're both going to get you know eight to ten targets. I think they'll both put up solid numbers, but I'm not going to be shocked if. Uh, Brown and Gallup lead both teams for the receiving categories. If Brown goes out against Miami and has you know 24-point game and Gallup goes out and has a 27-point game, no shock if they outscore Galladay and Thomas. That's why I like I like both receivers for Brian Moore. So if you told me who which two would you want, I would take Brian. So I'm going to have to give him the edge there. It's not a wash, but this is an edge where it's more of a uh, 55 45 edge in favor of Brian. He does have a slight edge because I like Thomas more and I like uh, Gallup. We'll see if Thomas gets heavily involved against that Bears defense. So that's a tough matchup. At least Galladay's at home. He's got Minnesota, but at least he's got he's got him at home where they play better. Uh, Minnesota does not play as well on the road. Excuse me. Sorry, I had a yawn. I better pick this up. We're getting late. It's taking longer than I thought. So, like I said, slight edge. I do like Dino Dan's matchups better, but Galladay, I think, has the best matchup, or Gallup has the best matchup out of all of them. Slight edge to Brian. Wouldn't be shocked if uh, Dino Dan's receivers outscore him. Tight end, Fells. You know, now Fells just has to outscore 10, which he's done three of the last four weeks. He's got 15, 16, and 12 three of the last four weeks. He's going against a Colts team that is pretty good at giving up yards to tight ends. So, don't be shocked if Fells goes out for a 12 to 15 point game. Anything over 10 or Dino Dan might just say, hey, I'll take the push. Give me a 10 point performance and I'm happy. Because like I said, the, have, Lindsay having a bad game and Kelsey having a bad game really brings Brian back down to earth. He's going to need something big from Wagner. He's going to need something big from his defense. Carry on Johnson. Look to see if he can run on them in the flex. In the flex spot, I don't know what to expect. Carry on Johnson has a tougher matchup, but he's at home. And they do rely on him uh, heavily, especially if they can get a lead. I think that game's going to be tight game, back and forth, low scoring, and then maybe pick it up in the fourth quarter. If you told me who I'd rather have for the season, I'm going to take on Johnson. But if you ask me who I want for the week, I'm going to say Crowder. Just in the fact that Crowder's only had two games, two games with, with Darnold. Week two doesn't count because he was out. He had 14 catches against Buffalo, and Buffalo was a very good defense and still is. But against a good D, he had 14 catches for 99 yards. Last week, six catches, 98 yards. So he's been three yards away combined in two games against Darnold from having a five-point bonus. The guy can play. They love, they use him like Wes Welker. They use him like Edelman. Great grab for uh, Dino Dan to get Crowder. And now he's got a guy who's going to – he didn't play him last week. He wisely plays him here, and he's on prime time. If this game is anywhere within 15 points, and I don't believe Brian has anyone for the Jets or Patriots on that Monday night game, that is going to be a nail-biter because if if it's within 10 to 15 points, that's going to be tough. You're going to really be hoping that Patriots D takes Crowder out of it, Brian, because Crowder can be the difference in this game. Um, so I do like it right now. If you told me pick one, I'm taking Crowder in the flex, and it's fun. You know, he's going to play the Monday night game. 
We'll see if he could continue to go three for three. Maybe this time he breaks the 100-yard mark for Dino Dan. Defense, I like Wagner more than Campbell. And defenses this week, mm, that's a tough one. Minnesota has been more consistent. The Rams were really good and now falling apart. This might be a week they get right. We'll see how big of an impact Jalen Ramsey has. Does it allow Aaron Donald to get more pressure? Uh, I'm going to say push for defense. Maybe slight edge to Brian. So this will be a good game. This will be a huge win for Dino Dan if he gets this. Gets him back to three wins. Or not back like he wasn't there. Gets him to three wins. Gets him to three and four. That would pull Brian down to three and four. Brian's looking to not... This will be the only the second time ever he's lost four straight games as the one year he started out 0-4 and, and then ended up making the playoffs. But it's nothing new. Last year, Brian was 4-4 four and four and went on to win every game the rest of the regular season and capture the president's regular season title. So I don't think Brian's scared, even in a loss. I think he realizes his team is good enough, and he can easily right now be 4-2 and two like Austin or 5-1, and one, possibly even 6-0. and oh. So there's not, when you're in Brian's position, you're not sweating it. I don't know. I can't speak for him. Maybe he is. Maybe he's going to be sick of losing these games. But it is a real possibility looking at these. Up to last night, I would have gave the edge to Brian uh, on possibly winning this game. Now, this looks like one Dino Dan could steal away from you. And let me check the time. I am getting real tight. Yep, I only got four minutes, less than four minutes. Let's get to this last game. Sorry, Matt, if you listen to this. Matt Baker's dozen against Elijah Duh winning. Elijah hasn't done his roster adjustment, so I can't say too much. Winston's on a bye, isn't fixed. Matt's got Minshew in a monster matchup against the Bengals. Give me Minshew. I don't know who Elijah's going to get off the waiver. Um, as of, He lost his chance to get Sam Darnold. I don't know if he wanted him against the Patriots anyways. But Minshew, I'm going to take that just in the matchup. I don't know anyone off the waiver wire that's going to have a better matchup than Minshew against the Bengals. Running backs, hopefully Gurley plays. If he does, if Gurley's in healthy enough to play and not get you know 50-50 share, uh, I think Gurley's going to have a really big game against Atlanta defense and Josh Jacobs. We've seen the Packers. Their one weakness, the only person who didn't really light them up was Zeke. But that's because they were behind and it was game script. Packers defense can give up rushing yards. But if the Raiders fall in the same boat that the Cowboys did and they're behind, Jacobs isn't going to get too many carries. Running backs, I'm going to say wash. If Gurley plays, it's a wash. If not, David Johnson's going to outscore everybody. You know, Mixon, very tough matchup against the Jags. That's going to be hard. Mixon has done nothing. The offensive line is terrible. Everything I've heard about Mixon is people are saying sell, sell, sell. I don't know anyone who's buying you know, no one's going to be buying any of Mixon's stock. Let's get to the receivers. So running backs, I'm going to say if Gurley plays, I'm going to give the favor to Matt. If Gurley doesn't play, I'm going to give the favor to Elijah. But David Johnson will have the best game out of all of them, I believe. Wide receivers, Keenan Allen and Cooks. I don't know what's happening with those Chargers. Keenan Allen was the top receiver for the first three weeks with all the targets. Cooks has almost disappeared going against Deshaun Jackson, who finally looks healthy. That'll be great. He is awesome in prime time in a big matchup against the Cowboys and Tate. On paper, you got to say Keenan Allen's the man. But this week, if Deshaun Jackson plays, Tate has been consistent, and I think they will rely on him even with that with the Jags because Tyler Boyd will probably draw a Boya, and that leaves Tate without Jalen Ramsey. So I like Tate. I love Deshaun Jackson. Keenan Allen has to show me before I start jumping on his bandwagon again because he's had two or three weeks in a row where he should have done really good and did not, and the Titans are no pushover. So I'm going to take Matt's receivers right there. Tight ends, I'm going – Ertz has been inconsistently and not used as much. Ingram is when he plays against – what did we say? Arizona is the worst team against tight ends. Play them against 
if you have a tight end, play him against Arizona with pride. Ingram will probably lead all tight ends for the week. If, as long as he gets to play, he will lead all tight ends, and that could be the difference in this game. Todd Gurley playing, Minshew outperforming his t- quarterback, and Ingram, I think, are all the differences. And Jamal Williams, give him a 50-50 timeshare. I think he'll do really good. Chargers or Ravens, I'm going to take the Chargers defense, although Tannehill's back, so we'll see what happens there. But overall, Matt is projected to beat Elijah 123 to 119. I think it'll be a close game. I think both teams are going to break 120, but I'm going to have to give the edge to Matt right now in that one. So that is it. You guys, I hope you enjoy this. Have your roster set. I'm running out of time. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend and enjoy the games. Um, And stay tuned. We'll have a show Monday morning talking about the Sunday night game and previewing any games, especially the one with uh, Steve having Crowder going against Brian. Or I'm sorry, Dino Dan with Crowder. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. See you. Oh, and one more thing. Everyone go to Silverado Days on Sunday uh, to check out Dino Dan's chili cook-off and pull for him to win. All right. See you, guys.